You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Gonzaga five-star Friday edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Before we get to today's show, a reminder to join Locked On NFL Draft host Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak for recaps and analysis of the 2021 NFL Draft and a look ahead at next year's future first-round picks. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Friday, July 2nd, and college athletes are now able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. And yesterday, it was total chaos trying to follow what all these athletes were doing and kind of just tracking their booking rates that are online now. And we're going to get to all of that kind of stuff on Monday's episode after the kind of the dust settles a little bit here over the weekend, talking about who could benefit now, how they can do it, and which Gonzaga players could have benefited the most in the past if the rules were always in effect. So we'll get to that on Monday. Today on the show, though, we are finishing up our NBA Draft Week content with an interview with Jackson Frank. Jackson wrote for the Gonzaga Bulletin and for The Athletic while he was still in school, and now he covers the NBA. So we're going to get his thoughts on all four Gonzaga prospects in the NBA Draft. But like most days, we're going to start with some news and notes. Philip Petrushev and DeMontis Bonas both advanced to the semifinals of their respective Olympic qualifying tournaments. On Wednesday, Serbia beat the Philippines 83-76. Philip Petrushev at 8 points and 4 rebounds off the bench. So they are now 2 wins for making the Olympics. And Lithuania is in the same boat. They're also into the semifinals. They absolutely smacked Korea on Thursday, 96-57. to uh, DeMontis Sabonis, he moved into the starting lineup after coming off of the bench in their first game of the tournament. He had 9 points and 10 rebounds. So, here is the full schedule for the weekend for all of the players and all of these tournaments and all of these times that I'm about to say are Pacific time. Saturday, July 3rd, tomorrow, 7 a.m. on ESPN+. Philip Petrushev and Serbia play against Puerto Rico in the semifinals of their qualifying tournament. 7.30 a.m. on YouTube, streaming on YouTube. Chet Holmgren and the USA U19 team takes on Turkey in their first game of pool play at the World Cup. And then 9.30 a.m. on ESPN+, Plus, DeMontis Sabonis and Lithuania will take on Poland in the semifinals of their qualifying tournament. And then Sunday, 4th of July, if you want to watch some basketball in the morning, 9.30 a.m. ESPN+, Plus will be the championship game of the Lithuanian play-in tournament. So if DeMontis Sabonis and Lithuania win on Saturday, they'll likely face Slovenia for all the marbles Sunday at 9.30 a.m. 10.30 a.m. Sunday. Again, streaming live on YouTube. Chet Holmgren and the United States will face Omar Balo and Mali in the second game of pool play. That's 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. And then 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, ESPN Plus, the championship of the Belgrade Olympic qualifier. Filip Petrushev and Serbia win on Saturday. They will face the winner of Italy versus the Dominican Republic in the championship. So there you have it, the full schedule of games for Saturday and Sunday. Of course, on Monday's episode, we will recap everything that happens in both of those qualifying tournaments and the FIBA U19 World Cup. 
A couple other notes here. Courtney Vandersloot, she has made the WNBA All-Star Game. This is her third WNBA All-Star Game appearance and second in the last three years. This season with Chicago, she's averaging 11.5 points, 8.5 assists, and a career-high two steals per game. The WNBA All-Star team is 12 players, and they are going against the United States Olympic team, and that is going to be the uh, essentially what the All-Star Game is this year. is an exhibition game between the WNBA All-Stars and the uh, United States women's basketball team that's going to the Olympics, which is pretty cool. That game will take place in Las Vegas on July 14th. And then finally, two pieces of scheduling news. Gonzaga's season opener is set. It is going to be November 9th at home against Dixie State. Gonzaga played Dixie State this past year, and they won 112-67. to The biggest and most interesting thing about this game is that Dixie State may no longer be called Dixie State by the time they play. They have their name getting changed to Utah Tech. So that game by um, tip-off might be Gonzaga versus Utah Tech. And then the other thing is we knew that they were going to play Northern Arizona at some point in the non-conference. That game is officially scheduled for December 20th, which is likely going to be the first non-student game during Christmas break. So uh, November 9th at home against Dixie State slash Utah Tech, and then Northern Arizona at home December 20th. Okay, coming up on the rest of the show, we sit down with Jackson Frank and we discuss the four Gonzaga basketball players looking to get their names selected in the NBA draft later this month. Before we get to Jackson, a minute to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. The NBA is nearly in the NBA Finals, and the NHL is in the middle of the Stanley Cup. So it's the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to a championship. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. All right, joining the show today for Five Star Friday is special guest Jackson Frank, who covered Gonzaga for the Gonzaga Bulletin and for the Athletic while he was still in school. And now he does some great work covering the NBA. Jackson, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Doing well. Appreciate uh, you having me on today. No problem. I want to discuss Gonzaga's draft prospects with you in a minute, obviously. But first, I kind of want to talk about your time at GU because you had some incredible opportunities while you were in Spokane. Uh, When you first got to Gonzaga, was kind of writing and storytelling what you always wanted to do? Uh, So I, I came to Gonzaga thinking I wanted to do some form of broadcast when I came as a communications major for some reason when I you know, submitted my application or whatever it was to declare a major. I couldn't find broadcasting that I entered. Apparently, that was a major, but I picked communications as kind of the broad thing. Um, but after my first semester, I joined the school newspaper, and I quickly realized I really liked that form of it and the idea, and realized I probably wasn't best. I'm, I'm best suited to write things down rather than uh, talk through them. I, I tend to talk to think, and that wouldn't serve me great as a broadcaster. Um, so I gave myself a little more leeway there uh, by having someone be able to vet my work and edit it and stuff. Um, but just really enjoyed the storytelling aspect and the reporting aspect of, you know, um, you know, writing for the bulletin and all the different GU sports. Um, kind of pride myself, you know, as someone who 
you know, was a, was a runner in high school, I know how it can be where there's certain sports that get more attention. And so I want to try and be an outlet for certain sports at Gonzaga beyond men's and women's basketball, uh, particularly men's basketball, to get some, you know, some form of attention and recognition. So, um, but really just really enjoyed the idea of conveying my thoughts and things on, you know, on sports and really just fell in love with that through the second half of my, my freshman year. In terms of basketball, if I remember correctly, you took over for Kendra Andrews as the Gonzaga writer for The Athletic. Um, how valuable was that experience for you, and what do you remember most about covering that team? Yeah, so I covered the 2019-20 season for The Athletic, the one that was uh, canceled, unfortunately. Um, but, I, but what I really kind of appreciated was, you know, with The Athletic, obviously kind of their, their pitch or their – you know, their main motto was to go beyond the normal, you know, like, here's what happened. Let's just write, you know, let's write the normal gamers that you see in a lot of traditional news publications. Um, and so what I felt like I was really pushed to do is find creative, creative outlets into a market that is, is pretty saturated. I mean, the, the men's Gonzaga men's basketball is, is kind of the premier sport in Spokane. Um, and there's a lot of people that are at every game and, and covering the team from different angles. So I felt like that really taught me to, take risks, try and pitch different stories and just try and find some sort of niche in a market that, you know, I mean, there are what, seven or eight different outlets, news outlets that are covering Gonzaga men's basketball, you know, every, every game. And so um, that was the biggest thing is just learning to find creative, creative angles to stories that maybe other people aren't, you know, uh, maybe their coverage doesn't necessarily align with. And that was the biggest thing, but also just, just learning to take those risks as well and pitch things even if they got you know shut down whether it was by my editors or maybe it wasn't within the cards of how Gonzaga men's basketball operates with their coverage so uh, that was the biggest thing it's just creativity of storytelling was what I think I learned the most during my during my year covering that team for the athletic and since then you've kind of transitioned into full-time NBA content and you've kind of worked incredibly hard over the last couple of years to gain the following that you have and this year the stuff that I've read, you've done some really awesome feature stories on Michael Bridges, Shake Milton, and then I've read a lot of your film room pieces, which you seem to be doing on like a weekly basis at this point. Do you ever just kind of pause and take a minute, realize that you've got like 20,000 Twitter followers and think to yourself, how in the world did I get here? Yeah, pretty frequently. I think when I hit 20,000, maybe a few weeks ago, it, it, I mean, just, it's just such an inordinate number of people. Um, but yeah, I, de- I tend to think about it, you know, on a frequent basis. I'm you know, I, I do find myself quite lucky to both have that following and have had the support system over the years from friends and family to reach this point where I can cover the NBA both via writing and podcasting as my as my full time you know job. Obviously, I'm a freelancer, and so I'm still looking for one one home to you know, carry all my work. But um, to reach this point where I can you know, support myself, uh, you know, is is a testament to everyone who supported me, um, whether it's a bunch of the online followers or just people who. You know, uh, you know my close my close friends and family who you know kind of pushed me to uh, enabled me to reach this point and have the freedom to do so. But yeah, I definitely definitely think about it um, fairly frequently, and it is it is still something that I'm trying to trying to wrap my head around. I don't know if it'll ever be ever be normal. Uh, maybe someday, but right now it's still not surreal, but still is something that I I try to you know make sure I express gratitude for constantly. Right. All right. Let's talk about. Uh, this year's NBA draft because you're a big draft guy. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be doing a big board this year, but I assume you will. But uh, you also know about Gonzaga. So let's talk about the four Zags who are going to have their names called here in a few weeks. And I want to start with Jalen Suggs because uh, I was on the Locked On Raptors podcast yesterday. And I, I, I basically said that Jalen Suggs to me 
has the highest floor of any of the non-Cade Cunningham prospects, but the other guys have much higher ceilings. Where do you stand on Jalen Suggs as a prospect? Yeah, I think he definitely has a high floor. I, I definitely buy the kind of the, the argument of, you know, the low ceiling, not low, but lower compared to maybe some of the guys that might go ahead of him. Um, I still really like Evan Mobley's floor um, as well, just, you know, with, with the defense and the, the rim running and even the passing. But uh, Suggs, I would say I'm a little lower on consensus then. Um, I, I do think he has some concerns regarding half-court creation, and some of that was masked by the fact he played in a terrific offense, both in terms of talent and X's and O's with Gonzaga this season. Um, I mean, you could. I mean, I, I. Whenever people ask me about Suggs, I think a great game that is reflective of some of his struggles is a national championship, where you know Baylor has great perimeter defenders and they're able to kind of get into his body, you know, kind of crowd him uh, and maybe limit some of his true penetration. And I think Suggs' line ended up being okay in that game, but just watching it, you could tell there were some some limitations with this game um, there. So I do kind of worry in some senses about about his ability to create in the half court and. Kind of whether it's the lack of explosion or the kind of the handle that can get disrupted, um, but he still is a very good prospect. He sees the floor really well. He's one of the most intelligent prospects in this class. Like it's pretty, it's pretty rare that we're gonna you know Sug could go top three. We'd have three really really smart guys to go in the top three with with Cade, Mobley, and Suggs. Um, so I love his court vision. Um, I love his defensive instincts. Um, I am curious to see how kind of the the risk-taking translates. You can tell he really likes to kind of bait teams into doing what he wants defensively and and kind of pounce on those things. But um, I think his strength is really good, too. Just his actual kind of functional raw strength for a guy of his age is really good. So um, I think it'll it'll take some time to figure things out because, I mean, the fact of the matter is he he was in a very favorable context. I mean, he, he, IE, and Kispert uh, were all in great situations to kind of boost their stock throughout the year. Um, so I think it'll take some time, but I still do like what he can bring on both ends, even if I, if I do think there are some limitations that prevent him from having a, an incredibly enticing I, th- I still think he's worth a you know, top five pick in this, in this draft. So I think you and I agree he's probably not a transcendent talent that you know can completely alter a franchise, at least not in the first couple of years. But I think he's a perfect guy that can help make a decent team into a great team. So don't you think that the Raptors would probably be the best fit for him out of those top five teams that are picking? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this, the top, yeah, I think, you know, it's, uh, trying, to, trying to think here, it's Detroit, and then it's Houston, Cleveland, uh, Toronto, and uh, Orlando, right? That's the top five there. I believe so. Um, yeah, I think, I, you know, I think even, even Toronto has some limitations, um, but I think among the top five, there's definitely the most NBA-level talent there, um, whether it's Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, um, you know, maybe they re-signed Gary Trent as well. Um, so uh, I think that's definitely the best infrastructure for him, but I still do think there are some concerns. You know, just none of those guys are kind of the ones you really want to create a group and be your primary option, but... I think if Toronto can get, get get that guy, whether it's through development or you know free agency and things like that, um, or a trade, uh, I think it's definitely the best best position for him. Just because you mentioned there's the most there's the most NBA level kind of starting talent there compared to any of the other other four teams that are after in the top five. Before we finish up with Jackson, a minute to talk about RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. 
Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Today's episode also sponsored by Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Listen to some of the flavors they've got going right now. German chocolate cake, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, salted caramel, coconut, raspberry, strawberry, anything you can imagine. If you're not sure what you want, of course, like I said before, you can get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. Great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Let's move over to Corey Kispert. He's obviously come a very, very long way since he showed up in Spokane, and he's a potential lottery pick now, which is crazy if you thought about it a couple years ago. The obvious comparison that everyone seems to use is Joe Harris, but do you really think he can have that type of kind of long-term sustained success? Yeah, I, I do think Joe Harris is honestly a pretty good comp for him. Uh, I mean, it's going to take a I mean, it will take a certain level of, I mean, development there. I mean, Joe Harris is, you know, what was a, you know, an above average starter on, you know, a team that had the chance to win the title before some injuries derailed them this year. Um, and it's just an incredible shooter. But I do think there are some pretty big parallels, whether it's the, you know, whether it's the ability to kind of score, you know, when he's run off the line if necessary. Um, Corey's been a great two point scorer all four years of his career. Uh, whether it's being used as a, kind of a bigger screener for ball handlers, you know, they they love to use Corey as kind of on those slide screens, those, those kind of those and whatnot, get him off the you know, get him off movement. They do that all the time with Joe Harris in Brooklyn this year. Um, you know, and I think both are pretty solid team defenders. I think, you know, Corey has his issues kind of laterally defending on the ball. Um, but he's a pretty smart team defender, especially in the interior, and I think that's similar to Joe Harris. So, um, you know, comps always need caveats and, and whatnot, but I do think the general role that Corey should play in the NBA is pretty similar to Joe Harris. Um, but again, it's asking a lot to reach that level of player where you're a top, you know, just all, you know, thinking about maybe top 50, top 70 guy. Uh, I mean, top, I mean, if you're in that range, you're an above average starter, um, which is a really you know, lofty accomplishment. But similar role and in skill, I think there are a lot of carryover. Um, between those two guys in a way that I don't think comps always capture, but I do find myself really drawn to uh, those comps, even down to the headband and, and shaggy hair this year. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of Warriors fans who are interested in him at 14. I've seen him go to the Pelicans a little bit in mock drafts at 10. Uh, do you think either one of those are, are good fits, or is there another team that you kind of like him to go to? I love both those fits. I especially love the fit with the Pelicans. Um, 10s maybe. Maybe a little high, um, but I really do like the fit because I, because I mean Zion is obviously their lead ball handler now. Um, kind of took over that role early in the season, um, even if he's a, kind of a non-traditional kind of lead ball handler there. But um, having someone like Kispert who is a good screener and can kind of hold defenders with him on those maybe those you know those or three inverted pick and rolls things like that um, would really be useful for him there. Again, that's something he has a lot of you know experience with the last couple of years doing. 
Um, so I do love that fit. And then obviously the Warriors too. I mean, they just had so little offensive talent this year. Obviously some of that's tied to, to Clay Thompson being out, but um, they just need more shooting on the wings. Um, you know, they have they have some guys who are interesting players in the wings, especially Juan Descon Anderson, but Descon um, Anderson isn't a guy who's you know really you know, he's a little hesitant to shoot from three, whereas Corey has you know one of the quickest triggers, most confident triggers in this class. So um, I like both those fits a lot, but I would love to see what he can do um, with Zion. You know, considering that. Uh, you know, as good as Steph Curry is, he's not going to be around for that you know much longer. Uh, whereas Zion has a, a long, long career ahead. So I'd love to see those two kind of grow and develop. And I think they would really complement each other well on offense. And uh, just anywhere that doesn't require Corey to create on the ball a lot, I think would be huge for him. Let him do his thing off the ball. Um, I think that 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 fits especially enticing to me. And I, I really hope we do see it. But both that you mentioned, I think, are are good places for him to land uh, this year. Joel Ayayi did not attend the combine, which kind of makes me think that he's got some kind of, you know, late first, early second round guarantee. He's a very, very unique player in that he doesn't really have to have the ball for him to succeed. What what kind of do you think of his long term NBA outlook? Yeah, so I, I think the things that really will swing whether he is a more of a two way G League end of the rotation guy or a legit rotation guard. Um, will be kind of his develop his strength development and the ability to develop his handle um, because he is a very good kind of secondary pick and roll creator, especially with the passing. But um, the handle is a little loose. He obviously needs to develop his strength more. Um, you know, I do trust his jumper. You know, especially off the ball, and he's a tremendous cutter. Especially, I mean, the amount of times he got wide open cuts from the ba- wide open bit buckets by cutting from the baseline this past season um, was pretty was pretty high. So uh, that's always a good thing to have. It's kind of those off ball instincts, but. Um, I really am curious to monitor that sort of that sort of thing. With can he actually be a guy who you can entrust to run a few pick and rolls a game? Um, right now, I'd be hesitant to say yes, but I think you know, given the way Joel has developed his game over the last few years and the way he the way he molded his game um, between his redshirt sophomore and redshirt junior year was really admirable. I mean, you can go back and look at that that West Coast Conference game and uh, West Coast Conference tournament game against San Francisco a couple years ago, where he's running pick and rolls and closing guys out, and then this year um, he's basically playing off the ball. Not almost exclusively, but most of the time, and also filling that role really well. So, um, I think there's a lot of versatility there if he can if he can be kind of a, a secondary handler and run a few pick and rolls a game and and show off his floater game and his I mean his lag drill passing, especially the skip passes. So uh, that's the biggest thing. But but I do think there's definitely an NBA player there, and I am curious to kind of see how he develops you know his on ball game because that really will be key to what he can do as a rotation player in the NBA. I think. And then the last guy here is Philip Petrushev, who's coming off of an MVP season overseas. You watched him in person uh, at Gonzaga. If nothing else, Philip Petrushev knows how to score the basketball at a high level. Uh, but to be honest, I really have no feel for him in this draft or at the next level in terms of his NBA prospects. What about you? Yeah, so I will preface, I've only seen a little bit of stuff from him uh, with Mega Max. Um, I think it was Mega BMAX, if I recall here. Um, and I apologize. Hey. Hello, uh, friend. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, there's a dog outside, so she's uh, alert. But, uh, yeah, he was at Mega BMAX this year. Um, but from what I did see, his game was a lot different. Um, you know, in his, his lone year as kind of a feature player at Gonzaga, um, a lot of back-to-the-basket stuff, very few threes, um, you know, had a tendency to be, you know, to really hone in on his own scoring and miss some passing reads. Um, lacks some of the strength you'd want from a true back to the basket guy, um, but he's played a more he's played a much bigger face up role this year. It seems like um, with Mega BMX, he's shooting almost three threes a game. 
Um, almost about 100 on the year in 32 games, shot 46%, um, more face-up stuff, which is what he should do. I mean, one of his, some of his biggest appeal, whether it was, you know, playing with Montverde or, you know, with uh, with Serbia, you know, at lower levels in FIBA, uh, was his shooting touch in his face-up game. So kind of a return to that. Um, so, you know, again, I, I haven't seen a ton, but at the very least, I think there's a lot of intrigue with a face-up score who can space the floor. Um, true stretch fives are pretty rare in today's NBA. Um, you know, there are a few off the, there are a few starters more so off the bench, but, um, I think at the very least, the fact that he's shown some, some shooting development kind of, and, and this has given him a, this, this overseas context has given maybe the optimal role for him to play offensively, uh, makes him intriguing. But again, it's, I haven't seen a ton of them, but I do, I do like him a lot more as a prospect than I do. I did a year ago. I was really not enthused with him, you know, as a prospect. I did, I just worried about a, a back to the basket guy who wasn't huge for a center, um, and had some limitations, both strength and kind of you know, leaping ability to get shots over guys. And you saw that. I, mean, I think the, the quintessential example was when he tried to go against John Teske in the Michigan game in the Battle of Atlantis. And he just, I think it was the Battle of Atlantis, if I recall. Yep. Um, and just really struggled to kind of get any any sort of deep position and get to his rhythm spots. Um, but he's kind of, it seems like he's a much more suitable role for him offensively this year. And that makes him much more enticing. Because again, guys who space the floor like Petrusha did this past year, um, are pretty rare for at the center position, even if it's much much more prevalent than it was ten years ago in the NBA. All right, last thing before I let you go: NBA playoffs have been wild; they've been chaotic. How does this thing end? Who's winning it? Oh man, uh, it feels like picking a name out of a hat at this point. The rate at which which guys are out of the lineup. Who, who's the healthiest team remaining that can win this yeah, thing? I mean, it does feel that way, honestly. Right? I mean, I was I was talking with someone yesterday. I mean, we've had. We've had games in both conference finals where Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard missed a game, and now we we, we ended yesterday's Bucks Hawks game without Giannis and Trey Young there. So, or game game four uh, without Giannis and Trey Young. So, I'll say the Suns just because they are the most healthy. I think they'll you know come out of this series. Um, you know, I think they'll win tonight, maybe, or I think they'll win game six. Um, but I'll go with the Suns. But it's tough. I mean, I, I just don't know, man. There was er, there's been early reports. From Zach Lowe and Adrian Wojnarowski, that Giannis doesn't have any ligament damage, but there's no timetable for his return. Trey Young seems a little closer to returning to do the game time decision for Game Four, um, but I'll, I'll go with the Suns, and it really is because of their health. But I, I don't feel great about it. I mean, truthfully, the Suns haven't looked great against an injury-riddled Clippers team, but uh, it just this does feel like kind of a last a last team standing type thing this year, which uh, it's just the way it goes sometimes. And to be honest, I think it's a little bit more interesting than having LeBron face, you know, team XYZ for the X amount of years. So I, I, I'm fascinated by these playoffs more than any other year in the last probably decade. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where sometimes the quality hasn't been great, unfortunately, due to injury, and that's been discouraging. But um, there has been some really, really competitive series and fun series, and uh, it is cool to see all these different teams get, get a chance. I mean, you're going to have, you know, the best player on the title team is going to be his, it's going to be the, his label for the first time this year, whether it's, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or Kawhi, or PG, or Giannis, or Trey Young, whoever you prefer. Um, there, that's cool. I think that's that's really interesting. It's cool to see more teams get get shine because as fun as LeBron is to watch and whatnot, uh, it's nice to kind of sometimes break up the monotony of dominance uh, that we've had from LeBron. And we've been spoiled with from LeBron the last decade or so. Absolutely. All right, Jackson Frank, NBA writer, Gonzaga alum, all around good guy. Keep up the good work. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing some insights. Yeah, I appreciate having me on and appreciate the kind words. All right, a big thank you to Jackson for coming on the show. You could follow him on Twitter if you don't already at JackFrank underscore JJF. 
That is going to do it for this week's NBA Draft content. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back on Monday talking name, image, and likeness. And we're going to do a fun exercise prompted by a Tate Frazier tweet from Thursday morning. Come back on Monday to find out what that is. Don't forget to tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today on the show, they're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, how they stepped up without Giannis Antetokounmpo to take a 3-2 lead over the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating, considering it is Gonzaga Five Star Friday. You can follow me on Twitter at Scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. If you want to email the show with any questions or ideas you'd like me to talk about, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your weekend. We will see you back here on Monday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.